This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Darwin does his thing as Liverpool's forward evolution begins to take shape. Yes, we'll react to the Reds' 5-0 thrashing of RB Leipzig as Jurgen Klopp prepares to crack the whip out in Austria. To get into it all, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorse, the chief, Ian Doyle, and returning to the pod, a warm welcome back to our new old social whiz, Marcus Banks. Chaps, I trust you're all well. And, uh, well, Gorsty, I'll throw over to you, and you may well be whispering during today's pod, because, as the saying goes, <laughs> let sleeping dogs lie, your dog laying yeah. behind you on the sofa. But in terms of yesterday's preseason run out, Certainly after maybe a few, I don't know, people getting a bit nervy over some of the performances in preseason for certain players, Darwin Nunez just completely blowing them out of the water yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you only have to look at the team sheets from the from the three games to realise that this was going to be a significant step up in performance from Liverpool. Um Jürgen Klopp played Six teams, didn't you? Across the, the two games in Thailand and Singapore, you know, three three teams getting half an hour each, and we've seen players who um, a lot of Liverpool fans would, would never have seen before. I, I'd imagine, depending on how closely you follow the academy ranks. Um, but yesterday's team was probably as close to the one that we're going to see against Fulham as you're likely to see in pre season. Obviously, we're going to have Alisson Becker back in for Adrian, and there's a debate over whether we're going to go with Darwin Nunes or Roberto Firmino, but generally, the only or the real bone of contention was whether you consider Naby Keita or Jordan Henderson to be the, your starting midfield. Everything else was pretty much as it was. Same back four, the start of the Champions League final. Diaz and, and Salah involved, and um, so it showed in, in the performance. Um, I thought Salah was excellent for, for the hour that he played. Uh, and obviously it was Darwin Nunez's night, wasn't it? Coming off the bench and getting four. Um, a mate of mine texted me at half-time saying uh, Nunez had to in coming. Uh, and he, he was kind of like... He was feeding into the to the nonsense a little bit, to be honest, earlier this week when all the uh, the trolls were about on, on Twitter because he missed one chance against United and didn't do much else in the other two games. And then he missed me saying, uh, Asuk incoming, and then within 25 minutes, he'd already got that, and then he got a fourth. So, um, I mean, pre-season results don't really matter, do they? But you'd rather be winning them than losing them. And Nunes looked sharp. He looked like a all-action target man, didn't he? He had a header that was saved. He took a second one in particular really well and, and the other two were really kind of poachers, finishers and, and of course, the penalty. Um, I was saying last night on the, the, the debrief that it wasn't a, really a token gesture with them getting the penalty because um, he did take them for Benfica and if you watch you know, some of his goals he scored last season, a few of them were penalties and he slotted them all away very coolly. So um, he seems to um, be very good from 12 yards. I'm not sure Salah will give him the... Your duties full time when the season begins, but um, it's always good to have someone who can stick the ball away, you know, on pens because we saw last season Liverpool involved in two shootouts that won them the cup. So, um, yeah, all in all, it was a perfect night for him and, and a perfect night for Klopp. Yeah, definitely. As soon as the penalty was given, he was loitering there, waiting maybe for the opportunity, and he was given it. Doily, welcome back. You've been out watching the Reds on their Far East tour. How did you get on out there? Um, it was all right. Bit moist for me. So you didn't think I was going to say that, but I have said it now. <laughs> yeah, I'll explain. Uh, my hotel room in Singapore, the um, the air conditioning didn't work properly, and it also this hotel, by the way, had no windows on the in the room. 
so it was a, a little bit strange. I had about seven mirrors and five beds. So, uh, yeah. So whenever I went back to the room during the day or later on in the evening, everywhere was just like damp. So uh, that's the, my main take from, from, from the tour is moist dampness, basically. And you, and, and you yeah. came back to a heat wave. Yeah, exactly. So I thought I'd get old and be like, oh, excellent. It's going to be nice and cool. Oh, dear. No. So, yeah, got there eventually. In terms of the football, I mean, I'm sure you've covered it already in the podcasts uh, when I've been away. I mean, the United game was just funny in a way. I thought, you know, everyone getting carried away with Manchester United winning a game of football when they were like a week ahead in their preparations. And then as Gorsi just pointed towards the, you know, the whole hoo-ha over Nunes, which I think... <clears throat> Weirdly, I think some some Liverpool fans, you know, kind of, you know, played into that little trap by going on about it for for far too long. It's like, well, if you actually write it down, I think, well, I actually wrote it down last night. That being my job, um, he played when he actually came on and scored. He played sixty three minutes of football. So in the end, he's ended up playing what? Quick maths, one hundred and fifteen, I think it is. You know, 105 minutes of football for Liverpool. He scored four goals. So you'd say, well, that's actually quite good going, to be fair. But admittedly, the keeper should have saved at least two of them. But they've all got to go in. And uh, I think just going back to the tour, in, as Gorsi said, in, in the Far East, there were one or two youngsters who came through who people were looking at and thinking, well, where have they come from? Mabaya and Marketic, which I'm sure you've already spoken about. For, as me and Gorsi have been down the academy quite a lot last season, the season before. So we've known about these lads. I mean, Basketic, he... He suffered an injury, I think it was around about February, March time, which which ended his season, which is probably why he kind of fell out of view to to a lot of a lot of people. But he'd already made the switch from centre back to defensive midfield. So he's somebody who's probably gonna do quite a lot for the under twenty ones, isn't it, this season, not the under twenty threes anymore. So yeah, looking at the game last night, of course he said Salah thought it was very good. It all goes well. You know, he's he signed his contract, he's put that behind him. Um Nunes looked reasonably sharp while also looking as though he's only at like 60 or 70% with his new teammates. Uh, for the rest of them, Cavalio, I'm sure we'll get on to all these because I know, Guy, you don't like it when I just do these long answers and answer everything in the podcast. No, it's, it's <laughs> um, just like a little preview to everyone, isn't it? We are, we are, we are going to talk won't, about Bicetic. I won't mention any more players other than to say, yes, Nunes did quite well. Yeah, we're going to talk about Bicetic. We're going to talk about Salah. We are beginning talking about Darwin Nunez. Marcus, how exciting is it to see Liverpool with an out-and-out number nine there leading the line, really being the man at the top end of the pitch? Because during Jurgen Klopp's tenure, near on seven years now, it's not really been something that, that Liverpool have done. Yes, Sadio Mane and, and Diogo Jota through last season started to play that kind of role, but a real specialist up there. It's something to get really excited about, as proven with Nunez's performance against Leipzig. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people have said, have made that point that it's something we've not had. And a lot of people have also made the point that given the system the Klopp uses with the emphasis on the fullbacks and the crossing ability in, of both Trent and uh, Andy Robertson, it's something that should have been considered maybe before. Having someone with his aerial prowess power uh, loves to play in the last line of the defender. I think that's something that they're going to thrive upon even more so. Uh, when you consider the goals that have been scored by forwards who aren't really in that build. Uh, and I think there was glimpses of it last night. There was a few times where he, he ran off the back of the defender. And like like Doyle said, he's only about 60, 70% understanding with his teammates. And that's gonna uh, that's only going to improve. And and it's going to be a real problem for the for the Premier League. But I think one thing that's worth mentioning, Firmino really, looked really sharp as well last night. And back to, to, to the performances that we know he can inter- interchange with the forwards. And I think it was Luis Diaz who actually looked... Bit off the pace instead of it being the other way around last season, 
But I think uh, Firmino's performance will definitely give Klopp some food for thought over who how he does start. But that's ultimately going to be a net positive for Liverpool if Firmino's back to his best. And and if we do sort of transition to a 4-2-3-1 this season, there's no reason why Firmino and Nunes can't be playing in the same team. Yeah, really good point and interesting. And and on that ghost, I suppose in many ways, Roberto Firmino was kind of the forgotten man of the forward line last season. And a large part of that due to the injuries he kind of had early stages of the season. And by the time he mm. got back to full fitness, Luis Diaz had arrived and everything sort of seemed set in place. But with, with Nunes as well and the goal threat he carries, whilst Luis Diaz looks very good on the eye and certainly creates an awful lot, maybe, and I wouldn't say a big question mark, but... Is he quite going to get the goals that Sadio Mane got? He, of course, is still adapting to a how Liverpool play and be the Premier League. But with Nunes in there, it, it kind of feels as though the goal-scoring burden can be shared around a bit more and maybe even a bit taken off of Mohamed Salah. Yeah, well, it's going to have to be, isn't it? Because Mane averaged 20 goals a season across the six seasons at Liverpool. So that's going to have to be made up somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure Diaz is going to be hitting those types of numbers straight away. I noticed Klopp said something last season along the lines of, Shooting once he gets his shooting, you know, attuned, fully attuned, then then we will start to see him score a few more goals. But at the moment, you know, it, it doesn't strike me as someone who's going to go and score fifteen to twenty goals. He looked, he's an electric player, and he's going to be an absolute nightmare for opposition defenses. And he's going to be a great outlet for Liverpool on the left. But I don't think he's going to be replacing those goals that Mane has scored. Um, for me, you know, you mentioned about him being a forgotten player. I thought. He was to an extent. I just think it's just because you know what you're getting with him. He's been there the longest. <clears throat> um, and everyone else sort of had a little kind of storyline, if you like. You know, Diaz came in in January. Mane was talking over his future for a long time. Salah, the, you know, will he, won't he with the contract. Um, Jota was, was hitting form and then there was talk of him becoming the, the new kind of number nine. And Firmino was just there just doing the same things he always has, you know, just knitting the play together as that kind of false nine the clock loves. Um, but yeah, there's no no question that Mane's goals are going to have to be shared collectively from a little bit more from Firmino, a bit more from Diaz, and we'll see what Nunes is able to do leading the line. Um, because it was exactly 20 a season that Mane averaged. He got 120 goals in six seasons. Um, and he was undoubtedly a world-class player. So uh, yeah, Liverpool, you know, particularly Diaz, um, Liverpool's forwards are going to have to step up. Um, hopefully Jota can do something similar to what he did last season. Um, big ask for them now. You know, we got over 20 goals, which is the most he'd ever scored in a season. But um, generally, I think Liverpool are, are looking in good nick. They've got, well, if they got five going into three. Um, and then the, the likes of Carvalho, Elliot, who can't play in the wide areas if needed. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, Liverpool are heading into the new season with... Pretty much, with the exception of Jota, everyone's getting a full pre-season, aren't they? So uh, that all bodes well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Doyle, it looks as though it's going to bode well in particular for Mohamed Salah. He got the scoring started against Leipzig and it was a nice tidy finish. It was almost like play had kind of stopped and he, he just rolled it into the back of the net. But how big do you think this full pre-season is going to be for him? And I suppose having seen him up sort of close and personal whilst out in Thailand and, and Singapore, he looks to be in incredible shape and really hungry for this new season off the back of signing that new deal. Well, he is Liverpool's best player, so that you know that does help. I mean, that's the entire reason why he did sign the deal. He probably thinks he can get the best of his game playing at Liverpool. Uh, before we go any further, the big question about Marcus is: was was the you know the the game in sync gone? Was it all gone? 
anybody who's been here, you know, <laughs> a long time podcast watcher will know Marcus used to have a very nice setup in his room, and now he seems to be stood, sat in front of a green wall. What's going on? It's still, uh, I just swap it out, didn't I? The cutter, uh, the cutter clawed <laughs> at the death, so I have to get a new chair. <laughs> still here, though. Fair enough. Yeah, go back to the golds question, by the way, guy. What, what course? The, it was a good point there, actually, because Jota's obviously injured. He's probably not going to be fit for the start of the season. Mane's gone. Minamino's gone. And Ariz's gone. And I think that was something like nearly 60 goals from last season. And I think Liverpool ended up, what was it, 147, was it? And so that's nearly half of their goals will not be available for the start of the season. I know a lot's going to rest on Nunes, which is probably why I'm actually getting off the mark against Leipzig is that important because he, he kind of now... He's got that off his back, hasn't he? You know, he's he's not going to be worrying about it. So, I wouldn't be surprised against Fuller if Nunes doesn't start, because you know, as Marcus said, Firmino's been excellent uh, all the way through. Uh, you know, all the way through, going to play three games, but you can tell from you know his level of performance, his hunger, and it's the kind of little things that he does. He did a little uh, nutmeg, didn't he, against Leipzig, which set up a chance, nearly set up a chance for for Diaz, and the fact that he was pressing as well. They're all the things that. You know, as as the lads have said, because he's been there for seven years, people got used to it. And it's not new, but it was interesting. We spoke with Jordan Henderson after a training session in Bangkok last week, and he was asked about you know the new signings and we're going to miss Manny this that and the other. And he made a point without being, even being asked about him. He said, "Look, Bobby's back fit, and we really missed him last season because he was injured all the time." And he didn't say, "Oh, he's like a new signing," but the reality is, he probably is is going to be and. That is something that, you know, it's kind of like the open secret. Everyone knows about him and the opposition know about him. But how many times have we seen Firmino play? And certainly when he comes up against, you remember, I think it was Shrewsbury or someone like that where he said, we never ever play against players like this at our level. You know, we're just not used to it. We don't know what to do. Do we mark and do we follow him into midfield or whatever have you? And while I agree that Luis Diaz, he's probably not going to get the goals that Mane got. I don't think he probably will have to, as long as he just keeps on setting up chances for Firmino, for Salah, for Nunes, for Jota when he's back. I think he's going to end up being very, very important for Liverpool this season. And of course, you've got to bear in mind, he may well be playing for a new contract. And it's really interesting, isn't it, in terms of um, Roberto Firmino and, and what he brings there, as, as Doyle said, Marcus, the fact that he, he's been at Liverpool seven years, six years, kind of in this this false nine role that Jurgen Klopp wants from him. And yet still, nobody quite gets to grips with it. A lot made about how Liverpool and City have both gone and bought out and out number nines this summer. And maybe that's going to be a, a change in approach. But Roberto Firmino is, is still kind of the, the puzzle opposition defences are yet to solve. Do you see it as a, a straight shootout between Nunes and Firmino then for that starting berth on the opening day at Fulham? Um, just given the Jota injury injury situation, yeah, I'd say definitely. Um, but I think sort of moving forward, I would, I'd be wouldn't be surprised to see Nunes perhaps move over to the left too. I know he's played he sort of operating that role um, sometimes with Benfica coming in off the left, and if Firmino is going to keep up that form, then uh, it's something that I think we could see as well. Um, Nunes coming off the left and Firmino linking the play. From the middle, but I think I just given based on preseason form, I think Firmino is probably going to uh, going to take that spot. Uh, but it's going to be interesting moving forward, given that Jota, Firmino, and probably Nunes are all going to be vying for that starting spot. And I think Jota sort of might might uh, might be keeping into that forgotten man sort of spot too, given that he, he didn't really do anything wrong. It was sort of similar, sort of similar to Joe Gomez, he did did nothing really wrong. Just found himself out of the team after Diaz came in. 
Um, and like people, I think people forget sort of how many goals he did actually score for Liverpool last season. And now, obviously, Nunes is the new signing. But you know, Jota, I think he is primarily a central player. I don't think he plays as well off, uh, wide, even though he has played on the left and the right. So Jota's going to be in that conversation as well. The goals he scored last season were really number nine Pokes' goals. So um, it's good to have options, though. I think that's that's what Liverpool benefited really from in the running last season, having all those forward options to keep that uh, the push for four trophies alive, really. I think one thing we have to bear in mind is something that we'll get on to probably with Elliot and Carvalho is that five subs in the Premier League is going to be a massive bonus for all these forwards. I think it's a, you're a lot less likely, you're not, not going to change your keeper during a game <clears throat> and you're a lot less likely to change your centre-backs. You might change your, you know, your, your full-backs possibly towards the end of a game and with midfielders, they kind of do tend to come in and out, but you look at Klopp and the players that he likes to change during games, it's three forwards. So, you know, I do think they're all going to get opportunities Certainly, any in attacking midfield as well. So Liverpool are going to need them. So say Jota, when he's fit, doesn't isn't in the team. There's every chance he could be coming on after 30, 35 minutes in most games, and then they can mix and match. So once they got the first couple of weeks of the season out of the way, I'm pretty right in saying it's to you know the game every three or four days, all the way through up until the World Cup, with the exception of one international break. I mean, they play is it five league games in August? I think it is, yeah, isn't think, it? Yeah, well, yeah, the, week, five, the I mean, season starts a week early, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's pretty unprecedented. I can't remember it being that many, and I'm about 50,000 years old. So, did you, did you just say as well that Jota could be coming on after 35 minutes? Or do you mean, sorry, sorry, I meant, I meant for the last 35 minutes. I, mean, yeah, I was going to say 35 minutes if he wants. Yeah, that, I, I tell you what, that, if that starts happening, then you'll know hmm, something a bit weird's going on here. No, but, I, yeah. I am interested to see how many managers, I mean, we didn't really see it all through pandemic ball, but I'm interested with five subs, how many do actually start going, you know, after half an hour, it's not working. I've got the, the subs, I might as well start changing things up. It the, will be. The, the, yeah, the problem you got there is that a lot of subs are done with freshness in mind. It's very mm-hmm. rare that players get subbed because they're playing absolutely awful. Or a manager uh, admits they got the game plan wrong. Well, Maria used to do it all the time, didn't he? I say all the time. I can remember him doing it twice. I was, yeah, I was going to say twice. <laughs> twice <laughs> in all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, in terms of kind of how the squad's coming together, Gorsty, one position and player not really spoke about during preseason, Ibu Kanate. It looks as though maybe that is going to be the partnership. It was obviously for the Champions League final. He's had a full season under his belt. There was a slight error at the end of that first half that allowed a, a chance from Kunku, well saved by Adrian. But do you think we're we're set for a big breakthrough season for him of really trying to nail down being Van Dijk's partner? Or do you think it will be a bit of a carousel of, of options alongside the big man? Yeah, well, I was, I was quite surprised that he started the Champions League final, to be honest. Everyone was fit, weren't they? And I thought Matip might just have been... Slightly ahead of Canate in the pecking order, but you know it's the old question, isn't it? If Liverpool have got a Champions League final tomorrow, who do you start? <clears throat> and Klopp went with Canate over Matip. Um, personally, I, I still think Matip and Van Dijk are Liverpool's best centre back partnership, but there's not <clears throat> enough in it to make me concerned if you see Canate starting ahead of Matip if, if Matip is fit. Liverpool have got a great selection of centre backs. Um, I'd, I'd probably argue the best four as a collection. In European football, because we know how good Joe Gomez is, even if others have forgot, when he's fit and firing and he's got momentum and rhythm that Jurgen Klopp talks quite a lot about, he's, he's superb, isn't he? He was the centre back that was Van Dyke's partner when Liverpool won the Premier League title. So I think for him, if he just carries on as he is, I don't think he's, he's fourth in that list, but I think um, if he gets a few more games under his belt in the position he likes to play, 
I think we will start to see him close that gap and be more of a realistic option for Premier League games. But uh, it does appear at the moment as though Canate is slightly ahead of Matip. I know Gomez is a little bit further back in that. But, you know, whoever plays as a as a partnership, you've got no concerns at the moment, have you? And then that Phillips, if he doesn't go, then um, he's, a, he's a really good fifth option to have, isn't he? So, um, yeah, Liverpool really strong at centre-back. Um, and it wasn't too long ago that we definitely couldn't say that. No, no, definitely the case. So let's talk a bit about the youngsters then, Doyle. You obviously down at the academy often watching and seeing how a number of the players get on. But it, to me, it feels this season, and we were just speaking there before about kind of having five substitutes available this season, that the younger members of the squad are going to play a real key part. And we've already seen that in pre-season with both Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho, and even Curtis Jones too, really showing what they can offer to this team. And really, I suppose, will have that thirst themselves for taking on more responsibility in game time this season. Yeah, the interesting thing is which ones did they keep and which ones did they let go out on loan? Because obviously it looks like Tyler Morton's going to go to Blackburn for the season, which Blackburn are a good example, actually. Harvey Elliott went there two years ago and was excellent. Glenn Clarkson went there last year and it didn't go quite to plan. So that's an example of a club that quite clearly likes taking on loan players, is used to it, it's used to develop, helping develop them and has a relationship with Liverpool. But sometimes it, what happens is sometimes it doesn't. Now, Liverpool have to make a decision on quite a few of them. Uh, is it time for them to go out on loan and, and you know get experience elsewhere? But then <laughs> the player themselves might think, well, hang on, if I stay at Liverpool, I've got a chance of actually playing some games here. But it might not happen. So it's kind of like, and of course, he just mentioned, you know, Nat Phillips, whether he goes or not. Sepp Vandenberg, now, it, does he stay at Liverpool and become the fifth centre-back? You know, or would he rather, because he's just had an entire season playing for Preston, which also played at right he, back. Yeah, exactly, but he also yeah, played right back there. Yeah, and Liverpool just bought a right back in Calvin Ramsey and sold a right back in Nico Williams. So it's a strange one. And of course, Isaac Mabey was one of the one of the you know, stars coming through, or the youngsters coming through, I should say. You know, he obviously showed his inexperience with the goal that was conceded against United. But you can see there's a player then. He's only 17, so he's somebody who's possibly he's too young to go out on loan. I reckon. And he might be in and around training with the first team squad, but playing for the under 21s this season, like Tyler Morton was last year. And looks like, you know, it might be better for Morton to go and play in actual grown up football, as it were, you know, more regularly. So, yeah, the, the, you know, Basquettis is another one. How old is he? Ghosty, I think he's 17, isn't he? 17, I think. 17, yeah. Yeah, yeah 17, yeah. yeah. So he's got that claim to fame of being the last signing before the Brexit rules came in. I think it's literally like a matter of days before it happened. And he's another one who he might be in and around the first team squad training. Probably might not. He might play in the League Cup, uh, possibly. What's it called? Is it still? Is it the EFL? What's it called? No, Carabao. Carabao. It's the Carabao. Is it still the Carabao? Carabao yeah. 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 Well, the the, the EFL. Be going to say to be fair, Liverpool don't play in it till about November, do they, or something stupid? Because then the, the early rounds are really Third early round. on, and then there's a massive gap, isn't there? So, yeah, there, there's that. Yeah, but the youngsters, yeah, Liverpool they have some decisions to make whether to let them go on loan. But it will be also interesting to see what impact the the fact that they've gone back to under twenty ones. It shouldn't really make that much impact impact because the reason they've, they've gone back to the under twenty one limit rather than under twenty three is the fact that most of the under twenty three teams had an average age of about nineteen. We're talking all the way through, not just Liverpool, but most of the teams. And Liverpool, of course, have you know copied what United did last season with Paul McShane. They they brought in Jay Spearing, so. Again, that's one to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 
you know, summer tours, these kind of camps are always good experience. Obviously, Liverpool have only taken quite a, you know, a few of the youngsters. A lot of them tend to be goalkeepers because obviously there's injury worries over Alisson, who's gone but isn't quite fit yet. And Creven Kelleher, who's who's out full stop for, for we don't entirely sure know how long and when he's going to be back. So opportunities for the keepers. But yeah, you know, as I say, we'll we'll go on to some there are still some young players in the Liverpool first team squad who aren't even twenty yet who are gonna get chances who I'm sure we're gonna mention in a minute. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Fabio Carvalho, we spoke about Darwin Nunez. How excited have you been by him? Because to to me, from even only glimpses of pre-season, looks as though he could be a player set for a bit of an impact like Harvey Elliott had last season. Saw him in pre-season and thought, oh, it's a, it's a strong pre-season for him. He'll be there to be counted upon through the course of the season. And then straight from the off, Jurgen Klopp had his trust in him and really saw what he could do. And Fabio Carvalho seems to kind of be a player who may be on the quiet, might, might fit into that kind of mould. Yeah, I think the excitement's obviously started in January when the whole the rumour mill started and then it, it sort of became a possibility that he was going to come in January for the end of the season and I think fans were already excited about what he could bring then and then when that move fell through there was a bit of disappointment but once it was sort of confirmed he was coming at the end of the season, you know, Liverpool fans have had a long time to watch him now and obviously see what he's about with his performances in Fulham and he was he was so important to that that side of the Marco Silva playing some some you know free flow and attacking football. So um He's definitely going to bring something new. I think his versatility too. I think he came on at the left on the left uh, last night. He can play in the right. He can play in the ten. Um, I think Klopp's mentioned it a few times too about him being that eight. Uh, and we saw Coutinho being used in that role towards the end of his, his Liverpool career before obviously he moved to Barcelona. And it was it, it was devastating for Liverpool. You know they had that sort of fourth attacker in a, in a deeper lying role, and and especially with players like Nunes who loves running off the off the shoulders of the last defender. Having a player like him who can unlock a defence, uh, but also beat a man too. I think that's something that Liverpool needed last uh, at times last season. Uh, coming up against that low block, you sort of need that midfielder to take a man on and and take someone out of that low block to create space for the forwards. And he looks like he can be that man. Uh, there was a touch, and it was, I think Leipzig were quite out of position, but there was a, a deft touch over the head of the defender, which led to Nunes' his fourth goal. And it's just moments like that that you think, you know, this kid's going to be really exciting. And when when you pair someone like Harvey Elliott with that, then you've, you've got two potential, you know, future Liverpool stars in midfield who obviously know each other from the time of Fulham. Then it's it's exciting. You can see why Klopp's so uh, so high on him. Yeah, definitely. You, you throw Curtis Jones into the mix there as well, of course. The, it, it feels as though since Ginny Van Aldum's departure that maybe Liverpool's midfield isn't as functional as it once was. And those kind of two wider midfield players who play in front of Fabinho are, are at times given more licence to go around, get forward and enjoy, it, sort of get involved in the attack. Even Jordan Henderson yesterday was, was demonstrating that at times as well. And it's not just kind of minutes for minutes sake for these young players to help their development. Jurgen Klopp really does have a lot of responsibility he puts on them. And we were talking earlier on on the pod, maybe there's a goal deficit that Liverpool need to pick up. And I suppose looking at the likes of Elliot and, and Carvalho, a feeling that actually from midfield they can be players who get goals, which for a long time Liverpool's fans have, have cried out for a goal-scoring midfielder. Yeah, I'd be wary of putting too much pressure on them to to score goals from midfield. I think Elliot's only scored one, hasn't he? Um, for Liverpool, that was in the, the game against Cardiff in the FA Cup. Um, Carvalho did get quite a few last season for Fulham, but that was in a Fulham team 
scored over 100 goals in the championship, I think. And Mitrovic was, I think, did he break the record last season for most goals in a yeah. championship season? Um, there's a team scored the most second tier goals, but on that point, so to, to, to jump in, but is it not quite comparable to how Liverpool play a, a 4 3 3, a left footed, wide, creative? slash goal scoring forward that, that Fulham had with, with Harry Wilson down that side and mm. a focal point in Mitrovic, which who knows Nunes might recreate and a team who, who dominate and see a lot of the ball. To me, yes, the quality is going to be a very big step up, but does seem kind of playing style quite comparable. Yeah, definitely. The interesting one is is Carvalho because we know that Elliot's probably going to start in midfield, isn't he now? Because he started there last season and had it not been for that ankle injury, who knows how many times you would have played there on, on the right of that midfield three. Uh, but uh, with Carvalho, he's, he's probably best as, as a number 10, isn't he? And Liverpool don't really play with, with one of them. Um, so it's a case of, I don't see Klopp tweaking the formation to kind of get a number 10 into his system. I see it as more of a case of Carvalho being 19 years of age, developing his game to, to be able to play in a Liverpool midfield. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of where he's utilised across the season. I think people are going to be surprised by how much he plays, to be honest. I don't think he's going to be someone who we're only going to see in kind of our cup games or we're going to see him playing for the 23s next season. He's going to be someone who's, who's going to play in the Premier League. OK, he's not going to play 25, 30 games, I'd imagine, but we will see him, you know, a few times, I'd imagine. And um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting where that is exactly. So, um, yeah, he's, he's an exciting one, really. He's a bit of an unknown quantity, to an extent, you know, a young player capable of playing in quite a few positions, making the step up from the championship. But um, there's one thing that Liverpool have been able to hang the hat on in recent years. It's the success of the transfers that have come into the into the, the squad. So, yeah, that's going to be um, an exciting season for him. I thought, as Marcus mentioned, for Nunes's fourth, that kind of header where he nods it over his man and then he's, he's attacking that space behind the defence, isn't he? Or in front of the defence, carries it 20, 30 yards and then just has the um, the presence of mind just to delay the pass for the for the right time for Nunes to finish off. It was um, quite a mature bit of play from from such a young player. So yeah, he's going to be um, a little bit of a um, could be a surprise package if you like this season. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops over the next season. And and obviously with Nunes, uh, Ramsey's a little bit of a different kettle of fish. There's no expectation on him to to be a superstar anytime soon. But uh, Nunes. I'd imagine all the pressure is on him after the three times this summer. But, um, you know, if uh, that's kind of how he reacts to pressure like he did last night, then I'm sure he'll be um, well set up to handle that. Yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying there on the formation. I'm not sure the dog does. He, he just sat up, looked at you and uh, <laughs> while she was discussing that. But I, 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 I get what you're saying. I, I certainly do. Um, Doily, in terms of yourself then, of course you were saying Carvalho could well be a surprise package. Who would you have as contenders this season for Liverpool to kind of be in that kind of breakout star category, as it were? Don't know. Don't know. You've got to be there. Um, I think you'd probably have to say Carvalho. The interesting yeah. thing, well, with Carvalho, it'll be the same as Nunes. Liverpool will just say to them for the first few months, just go and do whatever you normally did it, wherever you used to play, Fulham or Benfica. Don't do anything particularly different. You know why we bought you. And that's what will happen. There'll be no pressure on, on Carvalho, as Gorsty said. I think what's interesting, there wasn't really any kind of... The, the positions that he played, there wasn't really any defensive responsibilities for him, which is obviously the tough bit when, you work, when you're when playing under, under a, in a clock team. 
as we've seen from you know, several players in the past. And it does tend to be that the attacking players are far more likely to hit the ground running than it is with the midfield or defensive players. But, you know, you look at how long it took Robertson, how long it took, took Fabinho. You know, there are these, you know, and then compare that to Diaz and Salah and Mane when they came straight in and then off they go. So I do think there is that with <clears throat> with a Klopp team. In terms of surprise, players, I tell you, it's going to be a big season for Curtis Jones. You mentioned him before. I think this is one where, again, he's somebody who'll benefit from the five substitutions rule. I think it's interesting in, in, in the games, in the friendlies so far, he's not done anything wrong, but he's not quite captured the imagination as much as some of the other players. And is that a sign of maturity? Because he seems to have found this position out. When he's played, he's been on the left of the midfield three. He had a very good game when I wasn't at, actually, towards the end of the last season at Southampton, uh, which is probably one of his best games he's ever played for Liverpool. And that was a kind of a sign of what he's capable of doing. He was a bit more disciplined, a bit more, as I say, mature. But I do think with Curtis Jones, he needs to... There's a reason why Klopp said a couple of years ago, we're going to have some fun with him, because he's that kind of player. I mean, he, he, there, was a, there was a little bit... You saw a little bit of that last night, wasn't there? Where he got the ball at the touchline and... I think the crowd were quite enjoying the fact he was holding off about three players and putting it through the legs, you know, and going around them. And then, you know, it ultimately didn't really count for much, but it was just a nice piece of play. And it was something that only a player with confidence can do that. He's always had that in him. But it's a matter of now getting the minutes. And it's going to be tough because, as we've said, you know, you look for Benio Henderson. Uh, you know, Mill's going to get some games, isn't he? Uh, who else plays in midfield? I forgot now. I was off for three weeks. I can't remember what's going on. Um, Tiago, Cater, Tiago, yeah, you know, Tiago, you know, Elliot. You know, there's there's quite a lot. You know, for a team that apparently is very short in midfield, they haven't have got a lot of midfielders, haven't they? You know, it's interesting that when no when there was no games, people were worrying about oh Liverpool need to sign a midfielder. This uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, there's another one. You know, and he's someone who, again, he just a bad timing for an injury because I thought he'd done quite well in the two, you know, the two games that he played. And Klopp made a point of mentioning it even before he had the injury after the first game against United. He, he said he liked bits of what he saw from him. So, you know, that is a lot of players, and Jones is going to have to get in, in amongst them, and he will get minutes. But it's a matter of you know, making the most of them, especially when you have someone like Cavalio coming in, who, and of course, he said that Liverpool don't tend to play with a number ten. I think that might change this season. They may start. They did it. They did it a bit when Shakiri was there, didn't they? They played that four-two-three-one, and Salah played ahead of Firmino, and it's that could be a place where Firmino plays. I know this has been speculated on quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, but suddenly Liverpool have a lot of options. But Cavalio's never played a single game for Liverpool. Nunes has never played a single game for Liverpool, a competitive game anyway. So there is that sense of the unknown, and I do think it's going to take time for all of these things to work themselves out. And as I say, for someone like Curtis Jones, it could be an opportunity to, you know, stamp his authority because he's going to get chances. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Stefan, I said it true. We were talking about before. He maybe counts in that that midfield argument as well. We'll have to. I, I, I don't. Th- I don't think so. Let's be honest. Not no, yet. I was, 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 was playing devil's advocate, there, guy. Yeah, I, and I was. I'm I know I've not been in the pot. Is this what he's been like when I've been I away? Just throw. Is this what he's been throwing, like? Just like. I was just throw throwing more names in there. Just the throwing more is, names. If Theo had been on this, he would have probably two footed half of the players we've just mentioned now. And well, ruin actually, the, ruin the it's, careers of it's worth of it's worth mentioning to to our listeners and and thankful rating and reviewing the podcast. You can do it wherever you listen to the podcast. But someone wrote a whole review about Theo Squires and how well he'd done at um, getting 
Orelin Chouameni's name right after uh, a summer of butchering it and then he signed for Real Madrid. But yeah, thanks for for, for those who do get in touch. Uh, before we go, though, we are going to touch on the transfer window. And well, Marcus, we just listed off a whole host of midfield names there, yet everybody clamouring for a midfield arrival this summer. Doesn't really seem to make too much sense. And Sporting Lisbon's Mateus Nunes, I mean, it just go to, to confuse us further if Liverpool start signing players from the same league with the same surnames. But he's the latest one who's been linked. Doesn't really feel as though there's a desperate need, though, for Liverpool right now. Yeah, I think I'm, as, as we've learned with Liverpool, uh, if the transfer isn't usually done at this point, obviously things can change. But if Klopp onto the midfielder, obviously there was, there was interest in Chiamini, but... If that was if he's he's willing to wait for the right target, be that Bellingham or someone else. So if, if he was out out to get a midfielder desperately, then there would have been an alternative signed uh, and that hasn't been. So I think that speaks volumes. But I think Nunes is one that is coming from a league where it's proven to be a happy hunting ground for a lot of Premier League teams and, and Liverpool especially. Uh he sort of does fit the profile of a midfielder Liverpool would would want to go and sign. Um he's you know very good at taking people on. So if you're looking for that that sort of creative midfielder um, who's going to go and offer something a bit different to Liverpool's current crop of midfielders. He is probably one, but like you say, there's no reason why Naby Keita can't you know, continue the form and he showed in glimpses last season if he can stay fit and be that midfielder that um, he was signed to be, really. Uh, he's playing for a new contract too, so you've got to think that you know this is probably his biggest season yet at Liverpool and if Oxley chamberlain can get fit again, we know he's capable of doing doing those sorts of things as well. And like, like Doyley said, Curtis Jones really needs to break out too and, and prove that he can, you know, he's not just another name and he can bring something to the Liverpool side. So I think he does tick all the boxes, but again, not really going to make much sense if if Liverpool are indeed willing to wait until next year to to add that add that star quality in midfield. And then that that's what's going to happen really. It does feel like that as well, Gorsley, doesn't it? Actually, that the midfield is such an integral setup of of what Jurgen Klopp wants from his team that wouldn't make sense going late for. A midfielder spending huge money as well and as Marcus said there as well kind of it's one of those that you would have thought would be done by now I, I initially thought he was kind of thinking of if if there's a player where rumours are speculating around a Liverpool perhaps inquiry or move these days if the rumour goes on for longer than a week it's probably not all too genuine because Liverpool move it at the speed of light on a number of these deals that they really want to conclude They do yeah uh, Luis Diaz is, is probably the perfect example of that um, I think it was Liverpool made their move on on the Tuesday of that week, and and by Sunday they were announcing them as a as a player after Tottenham, you know, had, had made their initial moves. Um, and Darwin Nunes was wrapped up before Sadio Mane had even left. Um, so certainly it's become a little bit of a hallmark of their transfer moves that they just go out and get the the number one targeted he wants done and dusted. Um, that's why it becomes a little bit difficult to, to second guess them at times because they move so. So swiftly and decisively, I think Mohamed Salah's contract is another um, another example of that. You know, a, a small delegation flew out to Mykonos to get it done and dusted, and quite a few people at the club knew nothing about it. Um, so yeah, it's you know I'm sure we're going to see Liverpool linked to, to more and more players as, as the transfer window goes on. It is as ever the case, but I think you know if the squad is as it is now, I think Klopp feels that he's got enough. You know, he, he said that said that to myself and, and a few co- colleagues from the from the Nationals just a few weeks ago. I'm sure he said something similar to Doyle when he was out in Thailand. It's um it's a consistent stance. You know, if no one's come to him and said that they want to leave, then Liverpool are preparing for the season as it is. And to be fair, um, you know, with Liverpool 
you know, say for example, Alex Oxley Chamberlain with the subjective interest from a middle of the range Premier League club. West Ham, um, let's pick them. They, they're the ones who have been linked with him. Yeah, they've they not got Jesse Lingard. They always seem to be kind of thrown in, in with Oxley Chamberlain, don't they? Um, I mean, what are Liverpool going to get for him? He's in last year of his contract. Are they really going to be able to replace him at this stage with the funds that they get for him, which is probably not going to be anywhere near his true value? I think he's probably more valuable to Liverpool. Staying for the season, seeing out his contract and playing a part in the uh, in the push for honours. Um, so you know, as it is, you know, we we've heard for weeks now that Liverpool are pretty much done and dusted on the income front, and that nothing has really made me change my mind that Liverpool are actually looking at the at the moment, or seriously looking because they're always looking. But you know what I mean when you say kind of moving the troops in, into action. Yeah, the race for the transfer shield is really hotting up at the moment, Doily, as well. Liverpool don't seem to be in contention, but I'd argue they've had an exemplary window. They got all of the players they wanted in prior to the start of pre-season, have moved on two for decent fees as well in the likes of of Mane and Nico Williams as well. We're, we're two weeks today from the start of the new Premier League season, yet you look around the rest of Liverpool's so-called rivals this year and I mean, all of them still have plenty of work still to do, yet Liverpool are preparing with what they've got. And it seems to be the situation you want to be in. You mentioned before, there's five Premier League games in August this month. The window doesn't shut until the end of that month. That's five games you can easily slip behind in. And we know the level that the Premier League's been at over the last few seasons. You can't let games just pass you by. I think Tottenham and City will be quite happy with what they've done so far. So I don't think they'll be too worried. And I think they're the two main rivals for Liverpool for the title this season. So I think that's no coincidence, really. Um, United are going to be a lot better, aren't they? And they've signed one or two players. And I think they'll sign another couple. Although probably not Frankie de Jong, given the fact he seems to absolutely hate Manchester. Which, you know, it's a bit harsh, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, needs to get to St. Helens. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Um, who else is that? Arsenal? Oh, Arsenal. Arsenal will do better. I mean, they've. I mean, going back to the Oxley Chamberlain West Ham thing, is that West Ham need to sell somebody, don't they? They've they've spent an awful lot of money in the last couple of years, and from what I've heard, is that they'd need to move somebody on to try and get anybody else in. And I think well, they're throwing money at Skamaka, aren't they? Well, I mean, unless they. This is the thing is that they they seem to be throwing a lot of money everywhere. They don't seem to be selling anybody. When was the last time West Ham sold anyone? You know, so it's great for you know squad unity, but not so good when you need to get some money in. And I think, as you said, guy, Liverpool have done quite well on that again this season. And yeah, this summer, sorry. And I think you know, Diaz was meant to come in January. Sorry, meant to come this summer, wasn't he? Really? And they only moved because they wouldn't have signed him if Tottenham hadn't gone for him. Let's be honest. I don't think they'd have signed him in the summer, which means they'd have signed Diaz, Nunes, Ramsey, Cavalier, which is a left winger, a forward, a midfielder, and a right back. Which is, as you say, that's what they wanted. And the only reason, the only way they'll probably sign anyone else is if somebody has to leave. And as Gorsi said, Klopp said no one's asked. So there may be. I mean, even even the centre back situation we said before. You know, Nat Phillips is fifth choice. Reese Williams is going out on loan if they need somebody. That Vandenberg's there. So I can't see anyone else coming in unless. I know Marcus said normally they get everything done quite handy. I think Oxlade Chamberlain was bought on deadline day, wasn't he, in 2017? Because they saw an opportunity there. That's the only reason or way I think Liverpool might sign somebody. And uh, otherwise, yeah, for those people right, the transfer rumours, it's bad news, isn't it? Because that's all they're going to be rumours, at least for the next spot. Five yeah, weeks. What, 
Well, while we've been on this pod, James Pierce, obviously our friend and former colleague, as sweeter there. Former colleague. colleague. Former colleague. Former colleague, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I suppose I was, I was stretching the, the truth of it there with the friend. But, um, to all that talk of Liverpool bidding for Sporting's Mateus Nunes is nonsense. Club stance unchanged regarding summer business. No plans to strengthen midfield further in this window. And that kind of tallies up with what we've we've been reporting and what we've heard for the last six weeks or so, certainly since Calvin Ramsey was brought in. So, um, yeah, it's as, as you were, I suppose, in terms of Liverpool's business this summer. A final word then, Marcus. If Liverpool were to strengthen though this summer, we've mentioned the amount of midfield players. To to me, you'd look at the forward line and say we said before it's five goes into three. Yes, Elliot can probably supplement that. Carvalho can as well. But with Origi, Minamino, and Mane all going, and, and Darwin Nunez and, and Luis Diaz, if you're going to say that that was a deal that was going to happen this summer, still perhaps one like there if they're going to challenge on all four fronts. But equally, probably more than enough there anyway to go for a, a, a good battle across multiple fronts, as it were. Yeah, the, the only possible position you could probably say is a right is a right side of forward to to sort of back up Salah, even though Jota's played there, albeit not to the best of his ability. I don't think he's sort of just been shown in there. I think Firmino played on the right, the same as, and obviously Elliot can play there, but I think uh, we've all said uh, midfield is probably his, his best position. Um. Again, it just depends on outgoings. If if a, if a couple leave in midfield and maybe one or two go out on loan, then you maybe look at a midfielder. But again, it it has to fit the profile. He has to be. Um, I think the situation would have to change if someone maybe previously wasn't available becomes available. Then Liverpool, like the same sort of thing with Diaz, they were forced to make a move there. But yeah, it's uh, if it's the case of waiting for someone like Jude Bellingham next year, then I think a lot of fans would rather do that. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that does play out. That wraps us up then for this edition of the Blood Red podcast. We will be back next week, of course, but great to have you back involved, Marcus. No appearance for the cat. And Doily, good to see you back in shiny, sunny St. Helens. Or It's actually raining. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what you'd expect. And Gorsty, <laughs> thanks as ever as well, pal. But from myself, Guy Clark, the rest of the team, that's it from us here on the Blood Red podcast. Until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.